anointed and empowered by the Spirit, part four. And uh, we're kind of wrapping all things up uh, this morning with this. I got one message that I've done a spinoff of this for next week called uh, Fan or Follower. And that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, uh, Brother Mark, uh, these little side French fry lights, if y'all turn those off, I can't see. <laughs> Not those, then they're in the back up there. If these little side lights, if you turn them off, it's, Kevin knows where they're at. Thank you, Brother Kevin. All right, so let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Almost. Look, there, that's it. That's the first. I feel like a McDonald's French fry when those things are on. You know. <laughs> Amen. So uh, again, take out your notes, open your Bible to Acts chapter uh, two, and we're gonna uh, begin this uh, and begin and conclude this uh, series this morning. Father, I just thank you for each and every person that's here this morning. I thank you for your worship this morning, Father God. I thank you for your presence this morning. And Father, I just pray that you continue to move in this service, Father. Lord, I pray for each and every one that's here, each and every one that's watching online right now, Father God, that your spirit would touch each and every one of us here today, Father. Father, I just pray that you, you touch our minds, that we're able to comprehend your word today. Give us eyes and ears of the Spirit that we're able to see and hear uh, the things of the Spirit today. And most of all, Father God, prepare our hearts, Father, so may, we may know you better, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. So if you get your notes and Bibles ready, we just want to continue this morning. Now, in Zechariah 4, 6, which isn't on your paper, I'm, I'm going to be going through a few things first. Uh, before we get caught up trying to tie all these things together. It, it says, uh, Nathaniel, it'll be at the very top of the script. Uh, it says, is it not, and what I want you to focus on, it says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And did you notice in that song, it says, I'm not enough. It's truth. It always will be truth. It'll never change. But then on our side, this is what I want you to understand, is we live through our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, our thoughts, what we see, what we hear. And all those experiences in life, we base and come to a conclusion in things. And you see, that's where the battle begins, that the Holy Spirit needs to come in and, you, and make you realize that some of the things you were thinking, some of the things you thought to be truth in life weren't truth. The Bible says, be alert. Your enemy, uh, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion seeking who he de could devour. And it also tells us to be aware of his schemes. Now, let, let's take this back uh, to the garden. When God said, truth, do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil or you will die. That's spirit, that's truth. Never change. Eve was talking to Satan Satan was a period of snake talking. So that makes, let me just share for a second. Doesn't that make you wonder what the garden must have been like? That if a snake was talking, it didn't seem out of the ordinary. Original creation when, when things were, you know, so, but don't get hung up on that and trying to figure all those things out, okay? But understand, when Satan came to her, she said, truth, spirit, because it wasn't that they needed to be saved at that time. God created them holy and blameless. She knew, she said, God did say not to eat from that or we will die. But then Satan started to play with her soul. 
her mind, will, and emotions. What we see, what we hear. And it's, he's, as he's talking to her, it says, she's seen that the fruit was pleasing to the eye. You see, so he starts coming in on the soulish realm, which makes her believe the soulish realm, that if you eat now, you will be more like God. But the spiritual truth was that if you eat, you will die. And you see, that's where they fell. They, they went to the soulish realm, mind, will, and emotions, and believed that over the spirit of truth. See, that's why the Holy Spirit comes now to every believer to convict them of sin. So they realize the truth and not believing what, what they believed. You know, there, there's so many uh, things going on in the world that people think, why do you have so many different religions and gods? They're looking for the truth. Do you realize that? With all these different religions around the world, do you realize it's, it's that God has placed inside of each and every person that there is a, they, they know they, they have a, something else, and they're all searching for it. But many are looking in the wrong place. But the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of sin, and it brings truth. That's what the Spirit does, and that's what we spent those two weeks kind of talking about. So we went on from there because it all begins with salvation, right? And then it goes on to uh, what we're going to be talking about in the Acts chapter 2, is that when God, day of Pentecost, when God pours out his Holy Spirit, and I want to show you all these things which, which we've, <coughs> excuse me, been talking about, of that how God's Spirit works in our life. And again, I, I got on the top of your page just the references to these. I couldn't fit everything. I got eight pages of notes, so I couldn't <laughs> fit that all on yours. But uh, let's just go with uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. It should be on the screen up here. Uh, just have a reference on your page. Notice it says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. It doesn't say you're not saved and you're gaining points. You are saved, but it says continue to work out. In other words, when you're born again, you're an infant and you need to, you need to learn and grow uh, uh, in, in your faith. And so it says this, uh, so, in other words, salvation is the beginning of your new life. He says, but work it out with fi uh, fear and trembling because one day you're going to have to give an account to God for the way you lived your life, even as a Christian. He says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You see, when you were born again, you could go back to Ephesians 2.10 where it says, for we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works what God prepared for us to do in advance. And we're going to have to give an account to God of why we did, did or did not do what he prepared and created you to do. Each and every one of us has a different plan, on, plan for our life. We're in different things. Uh, now, the common thing is to spread the gospel that each and every one of us are accountable for that. But we, we see that God has a plan for each and every one of us. And notice what it says in verse 13. For it is God who works in you through his spirit to will which is desire, and to act according to whose purpose? His purpose. So you see, the Holy Spirit works in you to try and do the truth which God has for you, but it's always battling my mind, will, and emotions, what I'm going through, and different things. So again, I don't want to get 
tied up too long there. Then we started, if, if you uh, go to Acts chapter 2, is when the Holy Spirit came. And this is what we're going to talk about. We're, we're basically, if you hadn't noticed, we're just going through Acts chapter 2, and I've thrown in extra scriptures in between the, these things. But number one thing, when God started the New Testament church, when his Holy Spirit came, it was a letter, I think it's, I went with letters. Letter A, it, it's a church of supernatural power. It's supernatural. Look what it says in uh, Acts chapter 1, 2. It says, suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from where? Heaven. Not from earth, not by man's power, not by man's might, but it came from heaven. Supernatural power. And those of you that say, oh, I don't believe in supernatural power, do you realize if you've been born again, that was supernaturally put into from death to life for eternity? It began, that's the biggest miracle supernatural power to begin with. That God could take an old lug ahead like me and save me. Well, I was hoping my mom would say, you're not a lug ahead. But she did. <laughs> so we see that as a church of supernatural power. Then we talked about, again, this is the, the, the first three uh, parts of this series is that God uses your voice and that's from Acts chapter 2 verses 4 through 12 where it says that they spoke in tongues but the important thing we we uh, mentioned was uh, in uh, verse 11 where it says this uh, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues See, what was happening the message of God was being proclaimed through people God wants to use your voice. God chose people and their voices to spread the gospel. Again, it wasn't the, only the 12. You know, some people say, oh, well, that, you know, the, the call to go into the world and preach the gospel, that was only for the 12. Well, guess what? If they, if they were the only ones that would have done it, you never would have heard of it. Because they've been dead a long time. It's your job, too. And then it says this, uh, Acts chapter 2, once they heard the message, and this is kind of where we're going to go on a spinoff next week, is they were amazed, some were amazed, some were perplexed, and they said, what does this mean? And some, however, made fun of them, saying they had too much wine. So we see that some were amazed, it amazed them, what's going on? They were very interested. Some were confused of what was going on because their intellect, they couldn't grasp it. Others were critical where they said they had too much wine. And then we talked about last week, and we'll see again, that 3,000 became believers. So there were four types. There were some that were just, hey, I'm excited. And that's what we're going to talk about. There's lots of fans of Jesus. There's lots of fans of God that get excited. Oh, yeah, oh. But are you a follower of God? See, even the, the Bible says even the demons believe. That's what I always say. Look, if you believe in God, you qualify for a demon so far, but we need to go past that, right? <laughs> and then, uh, where are we at? Letter C, we went to that God uses your gifts. That was from Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, where it says sons and daughters, men's women, servants, uh, old men, young men, and all these things that God's going to use you and use each and every person uh, in their gifts, okay? And uh, I also use Romans 12, 4 and 6 there, where it says just as each of us ha has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one 
body. And each member belongs to what? All the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Okay, then last week we talked about, uh, in part three, was that the, the New Testament church offers life-changing truth. And this is where we went from Acts chapter 21, uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 21 through uh, right around 30-something. And it, it, I said this, and I added in Romans uh, 1, 16 through 17, where Paul says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the what? The what? Remember, supernatural power. The gospel is the power of God uh, for salvation of everyone who believes. And then so we see that uh, it said, and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Then we, we see that, that Peter actually begins teaching the gospel. And in verse 22, he, he talks about that Jesus was who he said he was. He starts explaining to them. He claimed to be the son of God. He'd done all these miracles. He was who he said he was. Then the second thing was in verse 23 is that he died on the cross. Verse 24 talks about that God raised them back to life. That This is the gospel he's starting to preach to them. And then we see uh, in uh, verses 26 and 27 that because he was raised back to life, it gives us hope and gladness that we too could be raised to life with him. And then in verse 33, he talks about that he sent his Holy Spirit, which what they were witnessing at that moment. And then, number six was that we must repent and be baptized. And again, let, let me read this one because I want you to see uh, what we're talking about. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36, it says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were what? Cut to the heart. That's what the Holy Spirit does. All, you remember, he, he had been proclaiming he was the son of God. None of them believed him, but all of a sudden it cut him to the heart. That was the power of the Holy Spirit reaching their lives, making them realize what was going on. And then it says, uh, again, that they became saved and all these things, 3,000 were added daily. Then uh, number seven uh, we talked about last week is we must live differently from the world. And uh, this is for, verse 40 through 42, which we're going to kind of pick up in today. It says, with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. The Bible tells us, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. You, you're different. Uh, something that is dead versus something that is alive should, is totally different. From darkness and light is totally different. So for someone to say, I'm born again, but there, there's not one change in their life. You're fooling yourself. It says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So let, let's look at uh, letter E, the next thing it does. Again, so it, it says it had a life-changing truth for everyone. But the next thing we're going to see in this, and I just want to use the word Unity. That it, there was one purpose. After this happened, it's all one purpose, one body. It was all uh, one here going. So <clears throat> this is new today. So letter E is unity. Now, when we're going to read Acts 41 and 40, uh, two, chapter 2, verses 41 and 42, you're going to see it. Numbers in parentheses 1, 2, and 3, and also in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. 
you'll see those in parentheses. I've added that for you, okay, uh, just to make you aware of, of what happens here. So let, let's just look again. Uh, I'll just start reading in verse 40 and go down to 42. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Okay, he says, those who accepted the message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking, uh, breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, this is what I want you to notice here. When we look at this thing, those, those marks, this is, they were doing exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. And so uh, on your page, they're right on top of each other. And notice the things. Jesus says, therefore, go make disciples. What is a disciple? One who believes. A student. A follower. So Jesus says, go make disciples. And guess what? They said, those who accepted the message. Accepting the message means they became a believer, a follower of Christ. So we see what Jesus told them to go out and do actually was taking place on the day of Pentecost right there. And then he says, uh, he says uh, Jesus told them, make disciples of all nations. And the second thing he says, then you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Look at, back at Acts uh, 2.41. They accepted the message, became disciples. They were baptized. You see, the, you see the connection? They're doing exactly what Christ told them to do before he ascended into heaven. Then the third thing, which we'll focus on a little bit more today, in, in Matthew 28 and 20, it says, the third thing, he says, teaching them to what? O obey. What does it mean to obey? It means to follow, to listen. It's, it's, it is a command. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to what the very end of the age meaning it's going to continue this but notice notice what happens in in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 where we compare in the third thing it says they they accepted the message they were baptized and it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer so that next verse on your, on your pages is actually that, and I, I think I may have left them underlined for you. Okay, it says, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is what it says they done. They devoted themselves. What is devoting yourself to something? It means making a commitment. See, that's what a disciple is, a follower or student of. You know, I could say, oh, uh, you know, I'm... If I say I'm devoted to doing sit-ups, how many of you would believe that? I do a sit-up every day when I get out of bed. Every morning when I get up, I do one sit-up. Is that devoted to exercising? No. 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 See, a devotion means an intentional commitment, and it takes effort. They devote, It doesn't just happen. It takes effort. It says they devoted themselves now notice this, to the teaching, learning of God's word. They devoted themselves to the teaching of, of, uh, of the disciples. And then it says, to the, and to the fellowship. And circle fellowship, if I don't have it on the line, I'm not sure, I don't remember. Do I, did I underline that on your paper? Okay. And I just asked y'all that a while ago. I was just making sure y'all remember. 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship. Now, we're going to see there's a definition of what, the fe what fellowship meant there. But it, in the beginning, it says to the fellowship. It means that they devoted themselves, they gave themselves to learning and to the body, to the fellowship, to, to the members. They devoted it, themselves to each other. This word fellowship right there is not just meaning hanging out together, but it means taking care of one another, watching out for everyone. It says to learn those things, and it says part of this fellowship that he's talking about included the breaking of bread, which was eating. Part, you know, uh, part of it could mean communion, but it really was referring to that they met in their homes, as we're going to read later, that they, they met in their homes and they ate together. They had meals together, you know, and that's part of what we do here is, you know, we, we have men's meeting, women's meeting. We get together, we break bread, eat, eat in fellowship with each other, taking care of each other in that way. And then he says, and to prayer. So the fellowship, the taking care of the fellowship, the body, is uh, doing things together, eating together, all these things, and to prayer. Now, prayer is the most talked about subject, but the least thing done. That's reality. Prayer is always talked about, but in reality, it's done the least. You know, sometimes you tell somebody, uh, you know, something going through, and they say, I'm going to pray for you. Well, that's probably all they've done right there. That's it. Prayer is an important key, and let me tell you something. Prayer should not be your spare tar, your spare wheel that you break out in emergency. And sad to say, that's what it is to most people. I'm going through a crisis, so now I will pray. But instead of letting prayer be a spare wheel to break out in emergencies, let it be your steering wheel that directs your whole life each and every day, that you could avoid some of the things you might go through. Prayer. Again, this Wednesday night, we have our nights of prayer. Come join us, and we're going to be praying this week. Uh, again, once a month, the very first Wednesday of every month, we have a corporate prayer here that we pray together. Again, that's what it says about here. Uh, so, let, let's continue here. He says, Matthew 12, 25, again, you, this theme of unity. Jesus knew their thoughts. This is uh, uh, talking about uh, those that were accusing him and things. They blinded to it. He says, every kingdom, circle kingdom, divided against itself will be ruined. Now, they were the leaders of the churches were saying, you know, Sanhedrin and Sadducees and Pharisees, we're saying he's doing these miracles by the power of Satan. And that, that's what he was saying. You know, he was driving out demons. He says, well, why would, Satan why would Satan drive out his own demons? And he says, every kingdom divided against itself will not stand. And then he goes on to say, and every city, circle city, or every household, circle household, divided against itself will not stand. And we're going to see uh, some of the places in the past, it talks about that they were in unity that day when the Spirit moved. We need to be in unity because God knows that, uh, and Jesus was warning that when there is division, it's going to bring chaos. It's like a crack in a foundation. It weakens the foundation. And he says, every kingdom. Now, let me share with this. Just because we don't, I would say, agree on something doesn't mean we can't get along. 
And I was thinking, when he says every kingdom, do you realize that when Jesus was in the garden, he said, not my will about going to the cross? He's saying, I don't want to do this, but he says, I'm with you, Dad. I'm with you, Father. Not my will, but thy will to be done. You see, there was unity. His will, his own, in his own soulish realm here on earth, his will, mind, will, and emotions didn't want to suffer what it had to. But he says, but I'm in unity with you, Dad. I will do what you want me to do. See, if Jesus would have said, no, I'm not, what happened? People wouldn't have been able to be saved. So every kingdom, every city, every household divided against itself will not stand. So guess what? If, if God wants you to be together in unity, guess what the enemy wants? Division. To break it all up. Look, Hebrews 10, verse 25 says this. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Do not give up meeting together. Do not give up meeting together. You know why? We are referred to as the body of Christ. And I, I used this example before. You know, they do many miraculous things in this world, the doctors and things, transplants. And Brother Todd even had a kidney transplant and things like that. And they could do magnificent things. But let me tell you something. Those organs they harvest from someone is kept alive for a small moment. And if it doesn't attach to a body, it will die. You hear me? It could survive for a little while detached from the body. But when it is detached for a certain period of time, it will die. That's why Satan wants to pull people out from the body. You may survive for a little while, but you're going to slowly die. Do not, let us not give up meeting together as some are. Okay, then it says this. Back to Acts 2, verse 44. All the believers, take, take everything we just talked about. All the believers, not some, all the believers that they were together and had everything in common. Picture of unity. Then we jump to verse 46. Every day they continued. Circle they continued. They, in other words, exactly what Hebrews 25 was saying. They continued to meet together. You see this? Hebrews was after Acts there, written there, and he was saying, you know, what happened is in the beginning we were all meeting together, but Satan has tricked some of you away. We need to get back to meeting together in these times. He says, every day uh, they continue meeting together. And notice what it says. In the what? Temple court. Circle that. Now the temple court, just to explain to you for a second, was the Jewish place of worship. It's where they go to worship God and where they go to offer sacrifices. But Jesus was the last sacrifice, so they didn't need to offer the sacrifices of animals no more. But it never says that they stopped gathering to worship. You hear a lot of people start thinking, well, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in me. Yeah, but it, you're not the place to be worshipped. The, the temple, they kept meeting together in the temple was a specific location 
dedicated for believers of the body to come together and worship together. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. Now, then notice it says, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily who was being saved. We've seen that 3,000 were added. And then you want to see what will grow God's kingdom is what we just went over. A body of believers, and not just this church, his whole being together, that we're, this church isn't in competition with the next church. You know, so, some pastors see it that way. Oh, I don't want to do anything with them. We're in competition with them. No, we're not. We're in partnership with you. We want to work together. To You know what? If everybody on this body got saved, they'd have to build so many more churches because there's not nearly enough room. So, next thing I wrote on your paper here, this is a list, and it's not supposed to be the, uh, when I read it after I already had printed. This is a short list of what our lives would look like when we decide to love as Christ loved us, which we are commanded to do. So, everything here you're going to see is you could almost as, add as Christ did. So, another one is submit to one another. The Bible says about husbands and wives, wives and husbands submit to each other. Christ submitted to his father. That's so we should submit to each other. Next is forgive one another as Christ forgave you. As he's on that cross and he looks down and people are spitting at him and laughing at him, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Encourage one another. Again, in uh, Hebrews 10, 25, don't give up meeting uh, thing, encouraging one another. We come together to lift each other up, to restore one another, to accept one another, to care for one another, to bear one another, and to carry one another's burdens. Okay, and where it says accept one another and bear one another, it doesn't mean that you accept sin, that you say this sin is okay, but they're still a person. See, if, if Brother Don would have some sin in his life that I would know about, and I'm just being mean to him and bitter to him, guess what? He's never going to come to the Lord. I'll never bring him. But if, if he sees I accept him and know, Brother Don, I don't approve of this in your life because God's word says so different. And again, he's not. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> but you win him, speak the truth in Love, we're commanded to do. Not this, <laughs> love one another. While we were sinners, Christ died on the cross. Look what, how much he done for you while you were a sinner. Thank you, Brother Don. You see a little extra in your paycheck this week. <laughs> Think about this. Again, caring for one another. I want you to understand that uh, your relationships are going to be different with each believer. Uh, you know, you, if I'd ask one person to stand up here and try and name everybody, 
You probably couldn't. I know I can't. I'm terrible with names. And, uh, but there are levels of relationship. You know, when they met together, if there was 3,000 added that day, surely they didn't all 3,000 meet in that home to break bread that day. Okay, you, you break up in small groups. And this is what I want you to understand, that Jesus spoke to the multitudes, but he had 12 that he hung around with, mostly. And I was thinking, you know where it says bear with one another? How many of you know that Jesus had to bear with Judas? Right? But then of the 12, Peter, James, and John were closest to him. He took those three to the Mount of Transfiguration when he was transfigured, and he left the, the other uh, 12 minus 3, 9 behind <laughs> But then you, do you know that there was one out of those three? And in the Bible, John writes, the one Jesus loved. That apparently had a closer relationship in some kind of way to John. And, and let me tell you why I believe this is true. It, I, that it wasn't just John saying the one Jesus loved. Because when Jesus was hanging on that cross, he looked down and seen his mother. And he assigned her to John. John to her to take care of her. His closest. He didn't ask the others. You see, so part of your relationship circle, you're going to have those that are, you just know. You know, they may go to other churches. Those in here you see and you're not quite sure their names and things. But then you're going to have a smaller group that you become friends with. And you're going to have the small group that will be there for you whatever you go through. Amen? Next, Acts uh, 2.45, letter F is they had generous sacrifices. Generous sacrifices. Again, Acts chapter 2 is, the, is the, the format of God's New Testament church and relationship. Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 45, it says, Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had, and this is important, need. Circle the word need. Gave to their need. You see, it's about meeting people's needs. Where's the need to advance the kingdom of God? What is it given to? What am, where, what am I doing to share the kingdom of God? And, you know, sometimes you laugh at that and people, oh, I don't pay my tithes. Well, that's too much. Do you realize, you know, and, and they say, oh, that's not New Testament. Well, God's commands never change. If you, want to, if you want to go to the New Testament, go sell your property and donate it. They, the believers sold everything they had. Now, some of them might have been confused. That, you know, there's different theories of why they've done it, that they thought maybe the Lord was coming right back, so what good is it for me to have land? But again, they didn't keep it. They sold everything. They, they were willing to give whatever it took to advance the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God uses people by word, by supporting financially. Okay, then the last thing, letter G, is growth. We see growth. Because of all these things, it produces growth. Acts 2.47 says, Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, and the Lord 
added to their number daily those who were being saved. And notice what it says, the Lord added. When we do our part, he does his part. You hear me? When we do what we're supposed to do, share the gospel, his Holy Spirit will touch those people and bring them in. And again, uh, just a reminder, this Saturday coming up at 5 o'clock, we have our next evangelism class where about sharing faith. I want to encourage you, come on out to that next Saturday at 5, 5 o'clock. It's class number four that we're going to be doing. If you haven't made the other ones, you still can show up that day. Don't worry about that. Now, I want to ask you this. How many of you were here last week? How many of you gave your witness into it? Oh, not quite as many. You mean you don't know somebody that's their soul's work, you just handed them this? Think about that. That you're so worried you offend them that you rather, instead of offend them, I'd rather see them burning in hell. Listen to me, this is serious. If you can't do this for God, you're missing the whole point God created. I don't want to offend them. I don't want this. I don't, it's going to feel funny. Well, when you stand before God and give an account why you were the one that he assigned to witness to that person and you didn't, their blood is on your hands. Over a little embarrassment. Take it serious. What if where you heard the gospel that person would have been too shy and wouldn't have shared it with you, whether it be on TV or, or live, however you heard the gospel. What if that person would have said, oh, somebody else will do it? You may still be lost today. We'll close with this. Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. This is where we, we talk from the very beginning. He said to them, this is Jesus, it is not for you to know the time and days my Father has sent for him to come back. But he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witness. Not only for the 12, this is for you. You are commanded by Christ to be his witnesses. And now this was their towns and their areas, but he says, to Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It includes you. La Rose, Louisiana right now is your Jerusalem. You're in it right now. That's where they were. They were in Jerusalem and he says to reach where you're at. Wherever you're at, let your light shine. Don't, you, you weren't given the light to put a bucket or a bushel over it and hide. Jesus Christ died that I'd all may come to know him. And I talked earlier about conviction, and that's what we we're talking about. Uh, and I mentioned this before in the other series. But the reason God sends conviction, and in this world, sometimes we take the word conviction and just think about being arrested. It kind of has a bad thing, but I want you to realize when God brings conviction in your life, it's to make you aware of sin in your life, but it's not to punish you, it's to give you an opportunity to escape punishment. If you never accept him as your personal savior, you will be convicted and sentenced. 
But Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid your sin, paid for your sin by his death on the cross. And you stand in a, you stand in a courtroom. God is a righteous judge. And you, as you stand in front of him, this is what I want to share with you. Just picture a courtroom scene, a righteous judge. A righteous judge will do what the law says. He's not looking for a bribe. He's not looking for a way out. And when you stand before God, unsaved, you realize, and we ask this question, you know, we, we, you, there's so many commands in the Bible that we break all the time that we don't even realize why we need a Savior. Man can't save himself. But we always, we talk just these simple ones. If you ever told one lie in your life, in kindergarten, first grade, or anywhere else, guess what? You're a liar. And the kingdom of God don't have liars or not permitted. So when I stand before God, if I don't, I've never accepted Jesus Christ, he says, well, look, you lied about a little candy. And you say, yeah, but God, that, that wasn't nothing. Now, is God a just and fair God? A just and fair God will do what the law says. He's not going to feel, say, you know, oh, give him this sob story, and he says, never mind. That's not a just judge. That's a judge that could be persuaded by people to do different things. But he'll say, I'm sorry. I've done everything I can throughout your whole life to have you accept the forgiveness of your sins through Jesus Christ. I sent my son to die on a cross to shed his blood for the forgiveness of your sins. And all you had to do was accept him and live for him. But if you didn't, I'm sorry, it's done. There's no, listen, it's got to be done when you're alive. There's no purgatory that's not biblical. You can't pray anybody in to heaven. It's a decision you make here on earth in this lifetime. So what I want to ask is everyone just to bow your head right now. And if you've never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, I just want to give you that opportunity here today. I'd ask you all just to say this simple prayer. And this, all we're doing is admitting and realizing that we fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's not minimizing sin. It's just making us realize that none of us are good enough. None of us have made it. We all fall short of the glory of God. And if someone, the Bible also says, if someone claims to be without sin, they make him out to be a liar. In other words, that you, if you claim you're without sin, that you're calling God a liar for saying you have sin. But God so loved the world that he doesn't want to spend eternity without you. That God took on human flesh, appeared as Jesus Christ on the earth, and went up on that cross and died for you to offer you a way out. It's like you're in the courtroom and the judge is about to pre present your sentence 